Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 52. My name is Brad. I am joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, Austin Tiberius Loop. Closer? Nope. No, okay. no, no. Austin, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing all right. So we are at episode 52. Um, you know what's funny? I had a couple of like little thing news nuggets that stuck out to me today while I was at work, but uh, we're just going to dive right in to, to our topic today and not really <laughs> jump into... Par- partially because we have a lot to discuss. Also, yeah. partially because we are recording on a Tuesday. Normally, we record on Mondays, but uh, my fault. We rescheduled till tonight, uh, which means I will then, after Austin leaves, while cooking dinner, edit this to get it out for you wonderful people tomorrow morning <laughs> like normal I, I was sitting there thinking too i don't think i said this to you but like we, we've kind of been on a roll and and we're mm. keeping a momentum a going yeah. we're in a groove and i'm like i cannot not get this out on wednesday morning like we just i was sitting there thinking what if austin like calls and says something happening he can't come out what are we gonna do i'm like i'm just gonna start calling people and being like hey i need you for 10 minutes and we're just gonna <laughs> talk about something for 10 minutes and that's just what was gonna happen like i had a Worst case scenario plan in place for if something happened and you just, for some reason, couldn't show up tonight. I'm kind of intrigued. What was your worst case scenario? Well, just like, no. Was just it like, Simon? Was Simon worst case scenario? I was going to call and be like, Simon, can you give me 10 minutes of your time? Like, and, <laughs> and, and just go through my phone and just call people. I was going to phone call it in yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I can hook it up to this thing and just... Uh, oh, that's funny. Call and be like, hey, let's talk about this for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, Why not? Just kind of yeah. do a little little mis- you know hodgepodge episode if, yeah. if you will um, but luckily We're everything here. worked out thank you and everything thank you Jesus one, one housekeeping item and Austin I don't even know if you remember me ta- talking to you about this but um, the guys at Two Fish asked if we would like to share a God moment story mm. from our last little bit and uh, so they called me last week and I did a little four minute little blurb on just a God story and God movements in our lives and yeah kind of what he's been doing these last few months, and uh, that'll air tomorrow. So oh, sweet. Uh, jump on the guys that we that I talked to a few weeks ago. Jump on their podcast for God Moments, I think is what they call it. So hmm, Cool. Check that out. It'll be out same day this is out. So, oh, sweet. Okay. Um, jump on there and download it, and I think I'm the last one. So nice. listen to the... You know, listen, listen to, to the listen to the opening acts and then get to the main. I'm totally kidding. Wow. Like that that was not. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so yeah, just do that and shout out to those guys. We are in the process of talking to them about coming on here for an episode. So I have I've sent them our list of topics for the next few weeks, and they're going to get back with me in the next couple of days as to which one they are interested in chatting about. Sweet. Which one kind of tickles their Fancy. They're, they're fancy. Yeah, I don't like that phrase. I don't know why I said it. I'll be your huckleberry. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's a little bit of housekeeping. So today, we are going to talk about the role of women. Ooh. All right, so we've spent four episodes spanning six months on the role of men and, and what biblical manhood looks like. And honestly, we could do the same for women. Yeah. <clears throat> well, even, even for manhood, we could go another five oh, of course. to ten. Yeah, but. there's so much more. So, And there's going to be a lot more than this. We're kind of going to give you a helicopter view mm. of what the Bible says the role of women is. Now, a couple disclaimers. Um, we're not women. I mean, just plain and simple. Wait, what? I know. Despite what everyone this says. Is, this is 2022, Brad. Okay, how about, I don't want to be a woman I don't right want to be a woman. Yeah, so. <laughs> Dear Lord, I don't want that curse. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. I don't want Coming I don't want pain in childbirth. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take hard work all day. <laughs> so, um, so obviously we're speaking not from a woman's perspective because we're not women. However, that being said, the Bible lays out some clear standards, some clear roles. Uh, men and women are equal spiritually, but different in roles. And so we're going to just talk about what the Bible says about the role of women. So that's disclaimer one. <laughs> disclaimer two, we might offend people with this because I do think this topic is, for whatever reason, it's one of those topics from the Bible that people like to say, well, he didn't really mean that. Just kind of conveniently, this is one of those topics where, well, that's not what Paul was saying. Right. Or he was just writing for the culture of that moment. Right. And and we just don't see it that way. We don't we I don't see how you can read these texts in any way other than Paul is laying out a standard. Yeah. And maybe uncomfortable in twenty twenty two United States, but it, it's it's what the Bible says and it's what we're gonna discuss. And and so we're not coming at this from a Women are inferior, men are superior, this, that, and the other. That's not what this is. It's it's what are the roles for the sexes defined by Scripture. Yeah. Again, women and men are, are equal spiritually, equal equally loved by God, equally valued by God. Co-heirs. Not, yeah. not partial heirs. Not it's We are co-heirs. We are all brothers and sisters on the same level playing field. It's just that the roles are different, and, and what we are called to do is different. Yes. So, if you're going to get mad at us, get mad at the Bible, because we're just going to be talking about the Bible. Yep. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> Any other disclaimers that you can think of before we get rolling on this? Um, yeah, I, and that's it. Looking at um, what gives us the authority as men to to teach over this. And uh, looking at scripture, knowing what it says about the leadership of men, uh, and as Brad and I in this teaching position, it, it is our job. It is our job to teach over everything in scripture, and this is a part of scripture. So, we do have the authority because the Bible says so. The Bible has, God has given us authority. Paul has the authority by way of Jesus. Very important distinctions. So yeah, as as we go through this, uh, we're gonna hit the the major points throughout Scripture where it discusses this. We'll we'll talk about it, but we'll even look at common questions um, of today and even common, I guess, idiosyncrasies or the the debate side of it. And yeah, we'll just we'll go ahead. So so point number one, just to right off the bat to start this off to just really drive the point home, women's role. Barefoot, pregnant, making me a sandwich, right? Way to start us out there, man. <laughs> like if anybody was listening that did not like it at all, they're really I'm they're really upset. Okay. <laughs> I might edit that out. I don't know. I just thought it was gonna be funny. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Talking to my wife, it's funny. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that stays in. Anyway. I mean, but, we're four children in, so like... I mean, you, you're fine. It's me that has to worry about this backlash, true. right? That's like, you're not, How dare you, single how, man. How dare you? Anyway. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I in, kid, in all I seriousness, kid. in all seriousness, coming to this with love. We yeah. are. Um, we love you guys. We just want to. We want to obey God. I mean, that's why we tried to spend so much time in biblical manhood, um, pointing these things out to men. Where biblically it says, "Be men, be a man." Yeah. Um. So I'm 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 going to work really hard to take that step back and be a little bit more gentle well, with and, my and words and even my presentation. And as we've said in the past episodes about manhood, I think a big reason why we are struggling so much in this country is the lack of strong men. A big reason why the, the crime rate is so high and the gang rate and the drug rate and everything is so high in this country is because a lack of strong men. So we wanted to harp on that and say, men, get it together, do what you're called to do. Yeah. Be men, be leaders, be leaders in the church, be leaders in your home. Women, you have a role to play as well. Here's what the Bible says it is. Yes. So, Austin, without further ado, get us rolling. Let's do it. So, number one, um, if you guys know this topic, we're, we are going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, but before we get into it, I want to look at Corinthians as a whole. Why, why, was, why was it written by Paul and to who was it written to? So, for one, go right back to the beginning of Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 1 through verse 2. And it says, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So right off the bat, Paul is, it's his greeting, he, he does this pretty much in all of his, his letters, but he is telling the Corinthians, basically giving him his, his authority. He is an apostle. He is an apostle, not by men, but by God. God made him an apostle. And then he addresses to whom this letter is for. So, number one, to the church of God that is in Corinth, comma. Then the second one. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, comma, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, comma, both their Lord and ours. So this is addressed to several people here. This is not just directly to the Corinthians for their local time and their culture. This is addressed to us as well. So, going through this list, uh, the church at Corinth, that's not us. That, that is exactly what it says it is. But the very next one, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, comma, that's us. Mm-hmm. We are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Next, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is us as well, both their Lord and ours. So, Paul is addressing the Corinthians, but he's also addressing all the other churches around Corinth. Past that, God is writing through Paul to us. So this is also addressed to us. So as you go through Corinthians, as you go through these letters, this is not just cultural. This is for us to obey as well. Absolutely. And, and it, is, it is good to point out, too, that, that Paul is addressing issues that are happening within the church at the time. Yes. That's why he's writing them, right? That's what spurs these letters from, from him. It's what causes him to write them as far as 
from a human perspective. Seeing it's what, an issue and addressing it. Exactly. And it, you know, it's the same issues we see today. There's nothing new under the sun, yeah. right? We are seeing the same issues today. The, the, the Church of Corinth, the Church of Ephesus, the Church of, you know, in, in Philippi, all of the churches that Paul writes and says, hey, you guys need to get it together, and here's where, here's where you're going wrong. We have that here. Does it look differently in our culture? Of course. Does it take different forms? Of course. But the core issues are the same issues. Yeah. Well, so, nothing is new under the sun, as it says in Ecclesiastes. I mean, sin is sin. Sin will always be sin. So when he's addressing these issues, again, yeah, like Paul said, it's not just, oh, well, that just happened 2,000 years ago. This is completely different. No, things are still happening the exact same way. So going to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where normally we would go just straight to verse 34, I want to give some context. Um, we're going to start in verse 20, 26, and it's Paul is addressing orderly worship. How do how do you guys worship in an orderly fashion? So again, context, and then we'll dive into that, that portion. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church, and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. One of my favorite verses, by the way. Yeah. Love that verse. So, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. As the law also says, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husband at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. And this is where, and it's actually pretty rare for Paul to do this, but Paul is showing his authority as an apostle. So, verse 36, or was it from you that the word of God came, or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues." But all things should be done decently and in order. So, right off the bat, when most people go straight to the women should keep silent in the churches, it, it does. It has that bad connotation. Oh, well, why do women have to be quiet in church? Right. So, first of all, going back to what we read, before it said women should keep silent, there were two others, two other silence. Um, the first one was speaking in tongues. If you have a tongue, you're speaking in tongues, but there's no one there to interpret, you have to be silent. He says, be quiet. Don't, don't do that because that is out of order and it will create confusion. This always wants me to go on this. I always want to go on this little tangent because you have, of course, 
the people who speak in tongues and services and stuff like that. And I'm like, the, the, how do you not see read this? Yep. Only three at the most yep. and one at a time. And everyone has to have an interpreter and... and it has to be done orderly, and Paul at one point says, if people walk into your church and y'all are going crazy speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're out of your minds, and not going to exactly. come back. You know, I, I don't know. I just, anyway, that's a little soapbox moment for me, the speaking in tongues thing, because ha- I've had a lot of heated conversations about that. Even with my dad. I think he's turned, kind of gone the other direction on that now, kind of the more biblical approach, but there for a little while, I'm like, Dad, this doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, and it does, it, it creates a whole bag of worms, because you have the side that believe that, oh, tongues don't exist anymore because of we're in the New Covenant, there's no need for it. Um, I, I don't see the evidence for that. I still believe they exist, but again, what is the whole purpose? The Done purpose properly. is to build up the church, right. edify the church. Verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Yeah, and it, yeah, you have an entire church service. Granted, I, I've never seen that. Um, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it, so I can't really talk about it much. But Once? Yeah. I experienced it once in a church, and I am a Christian. I've, I've I've been raised in church, been around church my entire life. It weirded me out, and I did not want to go back. Ooh, and it, wow. and and it was one of those things where, like, if I was a non-believer walking in there, and that was taking place, Whoop, turn around. I'd be like, well, these Christians are insane, yeah. and just had been done. All right. So the second one: let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. So you have this prophetic message coming to to this guy, and it's basically saying, all right, the the first one needs to be silent and wait. Wait your turn. Do not jump in and just start prophesying over each other because then it's unfruitful and there's no point. Again, going back to the tongues. Right. All these tongues in one place at one time, it, it's unfruitful and there's no point. So there are the two silence. The third one is the women should keep silent in the church for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. So, right off the bat, looking at this, a lot of a lot of people will look at it, and a lot of women will be like, okay, what does this mean? Well, it is talking about the actual church service. Yes. Um, and, and this is where it gets construed, because looking back, again, culturally, um, when this would have taken place, these are all home churches. These are people going and filling people's homes and having church. Again, going back to the prophets, the prophesying being silent. You're all in this tiny room and you have someone speaking and then you have someone else jump up and speak and a third jump up and speak. You have three people speaking prophecy. It gets really confusing, and especially in that small of a space. So that's one of the reasons why Paul was saying, all right, you need to go one at a time. That's why it's confusing. Two, women keeping silent in the church. In today's day and age, you're in a big auditorium with 200 people. Yeah, you're not going to stand up and raise your hand and ask the the pastor a question. Uh, you can't really do that. I mean, you you, you could, can. but you're not supposed to. <laughs> and even for a man to do that, it's just yeah. kind of disrespectful. Very, yeah. <laughs> but it, it does. It gets a little bit deeper than that. Even going back to, say, you're in a home church right now. Uh, you're you're in a room that has maybe 10, maybe 15 people, and you have someone leading, teaching, pastoring, and you, you're a woman cutting in, and you're, you're asking questions, or 
you're bringing scripture, even, even as valid as it may be, scripturally speaking, it says you cannot do that. So, so does this mean the woman doesn't like, can't just whisper a little thought to the person next to her? No, it doesn't mean that. Right, it doesn't mean that she has to sit there stone faced, silenced, and just rigid and that. No, it, it's it's all about authority within the church, and it's all about the role that men have in the church as leaders of the church, as heads of the church or overseers of the church. Christ being the head, yes, men have that role. Women in this context of a church, and just to use modern day terms, in, a, in the context of a church service, women are not to interrupt and to in- interject and and teach men in this right. scenario in, in the church scenario so i macarthur points this out in in a book that i'm that i a book that i'm reading funny i mean it came in the mail today right <laughs> and i've read one chapter because it fit for what we're talking about but the book is called divine design god's complementary roles for men and women and it's just a biblical perspective on what are our roles and how do they differ how do they where do they merge where do they separate and he talks about how in the context of a, of a Bible study, of a casual Bible study, where there's a group of people doing like a deeper life group or, or, or a home group, yep. you know, that meets off on a Tuesday night at someone's house. Yeah. Have conversation. That's where yes. you interact. And that's where you bounce ideas off and talk about scripture, men and women together doing that. Same with, he, he, he even, he does an example of where he'll do a, a weekly Q&A as the pastor. Yeah. And anyone's permit anybody's permitted to come and ask questions. Right. Again, it, Paul is making the distinction that MacArthur points out. It's in the context of a church service. Yes. When the prophetic message is being taught, when the pastor is teaching. Yeah. If it's a yeah, a QA, you're asking questions, that's fine. When you're talking about a Bible study, yeah, that's fine. But a home church, if you are labeling it as church, the woman is to be silent. And, uh, and and it is hard to get by. But again, you go to the next couple uh, verses ahead. Uh, verse 38, if anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. This is a command. Paul is saying this is a command. This isn't a suggestion. This is a command. And again, what authority does Paul have? He says it. He says in 36, or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. That's it. I'm, yeah. You can come at it any way you want. You can try to discredit any any way you want. But Paul is saying this is a command of the Lord. And what are we supposed to do with commands? We, we obey. Right. We have to. So being silent in the church service. As we get in uh, to Timothy and stuff like that, we'll talk about actually teaching and stuff like that. But I also just want to hit hint hit on this one: for they are not permitted to speak, but should be submissive, as the law also says. So a hint back to the law: the law is still somewhat prevalent. There is still contrast between the old and the new. Women being silent in this type of role is still very much prevalent. Verse 35, if there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home. This is a, such a, an important part of it. If there is a question, you do not go straight to the pastor and ask. You go to your husband. Now, yeah, there's semantics of, okay, you have an unbelieving husband. That That is different. But if you have a believing husband, and especially a husband that's there with you, when you get back in the car, when you go home, that that is the time to ask. Ask the question of, hey, I, I didn't get this, or hey, I'm, I'm pondering this. One of the biggest purposes for that 
is literally for us, for us as husbands. It is so important. Not from the side of, oh, well, my wife needs me or, oh, my, my wife thinks I'm super smart. But take, take this into account. If you ask your husband and he doesn't know, you have just placed on him the burden to find it and give you the answer. And if he can't find it himself, he has to go find it somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to read this just a little pat. There was a spot in the book that he he mentions this, and it says, this indicates, talking about asking your husbands at home, says, indicates that women were disrupting the church service by asking questions. This is, again, in the context of a home church in Corinth, and women were disrupting it by asking questions. And it says, if they desire to learn, disrupting the church service was not the way to do it. Paul also implied that Christian husbands should be well taught in the word. Frustration with Christian men, often including their own husbands, who do not responsibly fulfill their God-given leadership assignments, can tempt many women to go beyond their biblical roles. But God has established the proper order and relationship of male and female roles in the church, and they are not to be violated for any reason. So, again, it's this is as much of a call to women as it is a call to their husbands. Exactly. It's, okay, let's have that discussion, again, well, let's bring it to modern day context. Let's have that discussion in the car on the way home, or at lunch, or yep. that night after the kids are in bed. What, whatever the case may be, let, let, let's discuss it then. Yep. It's not a, again, in the context of Corinth, yo, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand, or I got yeah. a question, or hey, I don't like, you know, that, that's not how this is supposed to go. And, and again, what is the context of this? Paul is talking about orderly worship. The context of church in the way that worshiping God is supposed to go. He he already mentioned the first two and th- this third one of basically let let the pastor be able to get through what he's getting through. Right. Teach on these things. And then at the end, go to your husband and say, hey, I didn't get this. Or hey, I want to expound on this. Emily and I are, as soon as we get out of church, we get in the car, we go for a drive, <laughs> we double it as a nap time for the kids in the car. Yeah. But that's our time to debrief over the church service, over both of our, our men and women's classes afterwards. And we're, we're able to do that. She has questions, I'm pondering things, and we're, we're able to come at it together. Well, and, and there is so much precedence in the Bible for men and women, but in this case, we're talking about women, being learners. That women are supposed to be learners, and we're supposed to be learners. And then for, for women, for us to properly lead, we need to know things and know, yes. know scripture and know what it says. And so, yes, it is, I'm not speaking from experience, but it is great to be able to bounce these things off of each other. It is it is a good thing. It's a good thing for me and Austin to sit there. Actually, Sunday, Sunday after church, yeah. I went over to Austin and Emily's house, and we just sat for a couple hours and talked about what we discussed in men's Bible study. Yeah. And just... Bounced ideas off each other, bounced scripture off each other, and just kind of like, all right, where and that is good, and that and especially in a, I would assume in a marriage relationship, that's that's got to be a, an amazing time together. It, it is like honestly, it's, it is awesome, yeah, yeah. because well, and, it's that spiritual intimacy. And the cool part too is still keeping that structure. And Emily, we've worked on it really hard. We're still working on it, but whenever we have, say, someone like you come over and we're talking about these things, we try to take that Priscilla and Aquila type role. Say like when uh, Apollos was sent to Priscilla and Aquila to learn baptism under Christ instead of John the Baptist, and they were teaching him. It wasn't Priscilla teaching, I, I always forget which one is which, one was the husband, one was the wife, but it wasn't the wife teaching Apollos. It was both of them, but the headship being the husband. So they're both teaching, but it's still under the the structure of the husband leading. So there's still that hierarchy. And it, it is. It is very important. But 
to still be able to talk about those things with other people, it, it is such such a cool and awesome thing to do. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to switch over to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 12. It says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing. All right. So right there, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. It is yet another command by way of God through Paul that women are not meant to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Again, looking at context, we are talking about church. We are talking about the confines of church. So just point is, your college professor that's a woman as a man, you don't walk up to say, you have no authority over me. (laughs) That's not what this is. All right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see how that goes for you. Unless, unless, unless it's, it's seminary, yeah. and then it's and that that becomes a different thing. That is true. She's, but yeah. but yeah. You know, okay, I had one woman professor in in seminary, but she taught English. She wasn't teaching pastoral hmm. leadership. She wasn't teaching church leadership. I have the one class I'm in right now, history of apologetics, is a woman professor, yeah. but she's not again teaching pastoral leadership or theology of any sort. She's just teaching history essentially yeah. and so that's i think that is where the where where the rub is yep. right it, it's that it is so. confines of church it is teaching scripture right so yeah again <clears throat> men do not go to your woman teacher or professor and say hey you have no authority over me because paul says so yep it's not it yep. it's out of context out of context i can do all things through a verse taken out of context <laughs> amen brother <laughs> <laughs> well it's in the next part verse 13 For Adam was formed first, then Eve. So this is Paul completely debunking the whole culture debate. Oh, this was just in that culture. No, Paul brings it back to literally the beginning, to Adam and Eve. This is not a cultural thing. This is a cross the span of time thing. It is women are are not supposed to get above a man in that leadership, in the confines of church, in the confines of teaching scripture. So, and this does beg the question, does this say that women are not allowed to reach men with the gospel. And this this is where I don't see that. When we're talking about the Great Commission, nowhere did Jesus say, uh, go out and reach all the nations, but only women. If you're a woman, you can only teach the gospel right. and the good news to women. No, if you're a woman and you're going out and there's a man willing to learn about Christ— you proselytize. Yes. Yeah. You you do the great command and you talk to them about that. That that is again looking at context in church. When you're going out into the world and you are fulfilling the great command, that's not great commission. The great commit. Yeah. The command. The commission is fine. It's but it's different. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but no. no yeah. 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 So when you go out and you are teaching the good news. It, and it is different because no, it, that is not mentioned. Yeah, and, and we talked about this two two episodes ago. We are all under the Great Commission. Yes. Period. Period. No matter what, no matter your gender, no matter your age, no matter your theological bend, we are all under the Great Commission. Yes. So, looking at a couple questions. So, the question is, can women teach or can they even prophesy? So, looking at a couple scriptures where it does tell women what they can do and what they're supposed to do. Again, going back to the Great Commission, they're called to do that as well, not just men. Go into the world, 
tell people about Christ, tell people about the good news. So real quick, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 5. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For one, we're not going to jump into the topic of head coverings. I would like to. That's a good one. But the key one is this. But if every wife who prays or prophesies, so that is inclined to say women do pray and women do prophesy, not just to themselves, but in a public standing. So before we conclude, we'll go to a couple others. And I think there's, again, just from a couple readings that I've done and, and even just a little bit I've, I did today, you know, there are times when women can are absolutely well within their bounds to share their testimony to a group of people, men, women, children, whatever. Share their testimony. Share the story of what God is doing in their life. I don't see any biblical problem with that whatsoever. Because again, like you just said, I mean, I think prophesy, a synonym is what? Testify, right? Right. Where they are testifying of the goodness of God in their life mm-hmm. and doing that for people to hear, for yes. everyone to hear, not well, just <clears throat> and other not women. teaching they're scripture. not teaching. They, again, I think you're seeing a theme kind of play yes. out here where these quote-unquote controversial verses really end up not being that controversial because it's really talking about kind of one main role that women are not permitted to based on scripture. Yeah. There's a theme kind of playing out here that if you really think about it and and get beyond your own kind of 2022 Western worldview, you can, you can say this actually isn't that, this isn't that bad. It's not that bad. Well, of course it's not bad because God's telling us to do it, but I'm just saying like, it's not as offensive as I thought. Right. And I do understand I'm a man, we are men. So it's like, we, we see it as not a, I'm not going to say not a big deal, but we don't see it as as much of an issue, because if we're looking at this from that that lens, continuing, uh, looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And in the last days, it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So daughters prophesying. So there is another one. Now we are going to jump to Titus chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be reviled. So, looking at the context of Scripture, where are women meant to teach? For one looking at the elderly in our churches, the older women, the older men. From right here, the, automatically I take off of this is there is no retirement from the faith. Once you get to an older age in the faith, you should be teaching, um, especially if you've been in the faith for a long time. Older women, you are to teach the younger women. Later, it's, I mean, when you get into qualifications for deacons, elders, leaders, they're, they're older men, men steeped and wise in the faith. And we are all called to be that. And so, it's so, so important. Again, yeah. we, we don't retire from the faith. It's so rare to see, I'm going to speak to men for just a second. It's so rare to see older men performing this in the church and doing this in the church. And, and, and it's how cool would it be to, to have a, a 75-year-old man who's just been through it in his faith Teaching a children's Sunday school class. Yes. How cool would that be? And just being able to, to Importing that import wisdom that wisdom on my and, and just share yeah. 
the knowledge and and the truth. What was it? Uh, one of our friends on Facebook shared a proverb. I think it was Proverbs like sixteen thirty one, maybe where it talks about gray hair is like a badge of honor. Yes. Uh, yeah. A crown. A crown. Yeah. And just this <laughs> idea that man, we need. And we, as as younger people, need to respect our elders and not just, oh, you're funny, Uncle Dave. You know, just actually respect them and, and learn from them and soak up their knowledge wisdom because their their life experience and their spiritual journey is so much more advanced than ours. Yes. So, old men, get it together. Really quick, we're gonna we're gonna switch. We're gonna go back to the Old Testament. We're gonna look at a couple of women in the Old Testament. Right offhand, Deborah. Judges chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking ten thousand from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Really quick, we're going to move to Isaiah chapter 3. Judgment of Judah and Jerusalem. And I'm going to go through and pick out some verses here. So verses 1 through 3. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judea support and supply, all support of bread and all support of water, the mighty man and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor. Verse 4. And I will make boys their princes, and infants shall rule over them. Verse 5. The youth will be insolent to the elder and despised to the honorable. Verse 12. My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your path. Looking at the time of Deborah. The tribe of Israel, all of them were under judgment. And for Deborah to be the prophetess, to for her to be the judge over Israel at this time was actually a very shameful thing. It was not a good thing. Right. And I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. Again, looking at scripture, all of it in context, this was not, this was not a good thing. Well, and let's not minimize the fact that God did use Deborah. She did, yeah. Right. Deborah oh, was yeah. obedient. Deborah was a woman of faith. Yep. So this is not minimizing her in what she did. It's what made her role necessary. What was sin and was it was an issue, right? Oh, yeah. And and it, you're right. It yeah. was a shameful shameful thing. And it was a shameful thing for Israel. It wasn't shameful for her. Right, exactly. Exactly. Right. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Right. But directly in Judges chapter 4, verse 9, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And again, Deborah knew this. Deborah knew it was a, a shameful thing for a woman to be leading Israel. Right. To be judging over Israel. But God had appointed her, and she was doing it. Now, 
this will get into a topic of which we're we're about to get into. Actually, you know, we're we're going to go ahead and get into it. If a woman feels as though <clears throat> she may have the gift of teaching, why shouldn't she teach? And and that's the the question. I I believe that's actually the the way that Beth Moore has phrased it. Um she believes that God gave her this gift and this this talent to teach and to preach and therefore she needs to do it. Well, why should she not do it? And why should women in general not do it? Well, it goes back to because the Bible says so. Just from what we've gone through, God, by way through Paul, saying, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That That is all the evidence you need, because Scripture has said that it, you cannot. There are ways to use the talents of teaching that are biblical. Yes. That are not going against what Paul is what Paul has written here. Yeah. And what God has prescribed for his church. There are ways to go about that. And and, and yeah, I believe Beth Moore has a gift for teaching. For sure. Great public speaker. Okay. And and very polished and very charismatic and, and has I mean she's gotta be smart. I don't know. Like she's got talent. Yeah. God given talent yeah. for that. But it's do you use it in a way that lines up with scripture. Yeah. And it all goes back to the qualifications of Scripture. Vody Bachman, a quote from him, I really like him. He says, no one gets to do everything that they feel like they are gifted at. That is momentous. Mm. And again, it goes back to Scripture. Uh, an example, just because a man that has two wives believes he is gifted at pastoring, which he might be. But again, what are the qualifications for a pastor? Exactly. Husband of one wife. Going, literally, you have to go back to scripture every time. You say, okay, I believe God has gifted me, or I believe God is calling me to do X, Y, Z. Okay, let's look at scripture. Confines of scripture, is this okay? And then you may proceed. Uh, another example, look at David. David wanting to build the temple. He wanted to. He had the gift. He designed it. David designed the temple by way through God. God designed it through David, wrote it out, planned it out. He got all the 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 parts, the pieces, everything. It was ready. But God said, you're not qualified. You, this is not for you. Even though David was prepared, he believed that he was gifted and he could do it. And he could have, but he was not qualified to do it. I'm super talented and gifted at basketball. I'm just not permitted to play in the NBA. <laughs> totally kidding, by the way. I'm so bad at I it. am... It's going to go, you know, lots of money, millionaire stuff. Like yeah, that. So I was totally gifted at making all the money and winning the lottery and stuff. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a, but no, honestly, that is a great point. Like, you can have all these qualifications, but have you disqualified yourself because of other choices that you've made in your life? Yeah. Have you disqualified yourself because, for whatever reason, you don't meet these qualifications, these qualifications that are laid out very plainly in Scripture? Yeah. And so for for a woman like Beth Moore to say, I have the gift of preaching and teaching, okay, if you can do that within the context of obeying scripture, absolutely use that talent. But if you can't, then I'm sorry. Like, your talents don't usurp the word of God. They don't yep. supersede scripture what he says. Scripture overrides your passions and your gifts. Yeah, we talk about that with God's sovereignty. It's like God's will overrides ours. And that's the same way with this. Scripture overrides our abilities and our talents. So, shift a little bit. What about single women? Uh, do, who do they submit to? My phone to? number is five... No. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay. All right. <clears throat> come on. I got to have some levity in this. What is that? An uh, unshameful plug or a shameful yeah, plug? Yeah. Shame. shame sh- definitely. Definitely shameful, shameful plug. <laughs> no. <laughs> Looking for a very godly woman. <laughs> 502. Eight, no. Okay. Anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what about single women? Who do they submit to? Who do they ask about questions that they have after the church service? Um, if they have no husband, who is their head? And these are all very good questions. For a, a single woman, who does she submit to? Well, she submits to her father. If she is in that that role, she's in his his house under his roof, she submits to her dad. If she does not have a dad, she therefore submits to her pastor. And that pastor kind of takes on that father role. Paul mentions in one of his letters, call, man no, call no man father, but he does say, I, I became like a father yeah, to fa- them. Father-esque. <clears throat> yes. Father-esque. And the, the pastor is meant to take on that role. And so, yeah, who do you ask questions about after the service? Now, that is one thing. If, say, your pastor is your head, then after the service, yeah, go to your pastor. Ask, ask those questions. Say, I didn't get this. I don't understand this. If you're going to church with your uncle or someone that has that head role, then, then you go talk to them. But... Basic premises, if there is no head, the, the pastor, that is what the pastor is for. So who is the head of the, the single woman? The father. If not the father, then the pastor. And then if you're not in a church, I don't know, it gets <laughs> sticky from there. Um, it seems unlikely you'll be listening to this if you're not in a church. Yeah. Unless you are, then praise God. We love and you. And my phone number is please, five. Oh my oh. gosh. <laughs> Wow. That joke is still funny. I don't know. One, maybe maybe good for one more. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to restructure the entire rest of this. <laughs> we're going to talk, talk about missionary dating. No. <laughs> so, should women lead... Uh, so, th- this is a question, and I have the answer based on scripture, but I'm going to pose it. Should women lead worship or prayer in church? So worship is in <clears throat> leading the the music. I'm assuming is <clears throat> what music. you're talking about, right? Yep, okay. leading music or just corporate prayer in church. My answer is no. So looking at the confines of scripture, same way. And when you are leading worship, even if it's just singing songs, I, I forgot what the actual number was, but the statistic is actually really high on where most people of today get their theology, and most young Christians get their theology from the worship set. So terrifying. They get their their theology from the songs. You are making my case even more we're, like We're not even going to get into it. We're not even going to get into it. Oh gonna get into it. That's right, a yeah, that's a different topic. Ah. <laughs> but if you are leading worship, you are still leading. And if you are act, and e- e- you're singing super biblical strong theological songs, you are teaching the these things these principles on which the songs are supposed to be meaning to the entire congregation. And hopefully the congregation has men in it. And if the congregation has men, then you are not supposed to do that. Prayer. If you are going to lead a corporate worship or a corporate prayer um, throughout the whole church, the men are there. And therefore you are not supposed to lead them. You are not supposed to exercise that authority over them. So therefore, a woman cannot lead prayer in that corporate setting. Again, based on scripture. So just by way of discussion, how how far do you take that? Is it a scenario where, I mean, just take our church, for example, where 
Isaac is the worship leader that week. He is right. the one taking the role, <laughs> but then Christy has a solo. Right. So how far do you take that in that regard? So, I, I, and, and, I think- and, and I don't know if maybe we're not, I don't think we're going to say like, this is the definitive answer. Maybe right. not, but maybe you are, I don't know. Yeah. But like, I don't know if necessarily we're saying this is definitive, but how do you read right. scripture in light of that? So scenario. I go back to, like I was talking about my wife and I, Priscilla and Aquila teaching over Apollos. Um, as long as there is still that head figure, it is okay. And I think our our church does that really well. Our, our worship leaders, it, it, it's a man. He, yeah. he is leading the set, and it, it is very obvious that he's leading. But then the, the younger women, or just the women who are singing with them, have that part where they're they're leading that that section or just that song it is still under the authority of the man who is leading and so i i think it works pretty well and i I do believe that's okay but if you do have a woman up there who is completely leading the entire set then i i don't believe that is based on scripture that she is leading the entire the entire congregation and showing that authority over the entire congregation yeah okay yeah Cool. Yeah. All right. So this one, this is where it it gets interesting. Um, we're kind of addressing the the role of the woman in the house and what the women are supposed to do in the house. Again, what does scripture say on this? Real quick, if you don't mind, let me. We talked. We went through the Old Testament for a minute. Went and talked about Deborah. Um, I just want to go through just a couple things that we see as as a just a general survey of scripture when it comes to the role of women specifically in the church, before we move on to this, if you don't mind. Um, just a real quick thing, a couple points brought out by John MacArthur in this book. It says, they had women, they they had the same responsibilities as men to obey God's law. Okay, so that is, women are equal in that sense, right? Or, or men and women are the same in that sense. We both have the responsibility to obey God's law. Have the same protection as men. So in the Old Testament, penalties given for crimes against women are the same for crimes against men, God equally values the life of a man and the life of a woman. Very important to understand that as well. God equally values the life of both. They took the same vows as men. The highest level of spiritual commitment available to an Old Testament believer was the Nazarite vow, which was an act of separation from the world in devotion to God. Women as well as men could take that vow. They had the same access to God as men. God dealt directly with women in the Old Testament. He didn't go through a man when he wanted to communicate with a woman. For example, the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar and Samson's mother. And that's found in Genesis 16 and Judges 13. So, again, difference in roles, but equal in standing before God. And, and that's what I what I want to drive home, is that equal standing before God. Co-heirs. Yes. Brothers and sisters. Sons and daughters. Just different roles. Yeah. I mean, look at a look at your job. Look at where you work. You have different roles. Me as the inside sales rep, I don't go and take the authority away from the warehouse manager. I don't go and take the authority of our branch manager away. I'm in my role. They're in their role, and that's how this is what and that that's what this is. Equal standing before God, but just different roles. Yeah. So just remember that as as you hear us say this, just keep that in mind. And I think everything else that I was thinking about this side of things we've already said. So, yeah. well, um, but I just think <clears throat> I just wanted to make sure we understood that yeah. women and men have uh, just, we're the same, but we have different roles. Yes. Uh, a lot of people like to take it to the nth degree of when it says people or women are supposed to be silent. It's like, oh, well, as soon as I enter the church doors, I have to be quiet the entire time. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying 
within the confines of church, as in the actual service, the actual preaching of God's preaching word and, and teaching. teaching. Yes. During or before the service, talk, talk to people, talk to men. Don't go up to a man and say, I can't talk to you. I have to be silent. After the service, yeah. go up and, and talk to people, discuss these things. Again, going up and talking to a brother about, hey, so Pastor Pete was talking about this. That's not a bad thing. The purpose of asking your husband is to get your husband in that leadership role. Get him in that position to where if he knows the answer, he can tell you. If he doesn't know the answer, it pushes him to get deeper in his faith, and you are helping your husband grow. And I think it develops, again, not from experience, but I would would think it develops that spiritual intimacy that is so important in a marriage, especially in a marriage of believers, that spiritual intimacy that... As as you all get closer, when times get tougher, you're able to survive it and you're able to, to, to weather through those tough times because you have that spiritual intimacy and that depth that goes beyond anything physical or anything emotional. Yeah. All right. So. And, and yet I'm still single. Here we are. I have all this wisdom and here we are. I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm totally kidding. It's fine. So I, I, most of it was, was geared towards church, but I do want to touch on the role of women in the in the house. And this this is where it gets kind of dicey cuz what does scripture say? So we'll talk about cultural versus not not cultural, but going right into it. So Titus chapter 2 verse 5. It says to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So working at Really quick, I want to jump back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Now, this was before Eve was created and before Eve was fashioned. It was Adam's job to work and to take care of the garden. Now, this is where we get into the reason why Eve was created. To be that helpmeet, that helpmate, that suitable helper for Adam. Now, looking at Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, of which I commanded you not, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So, Adam was put on this earth to work, to tend the garden, to work for the food. And after the fall, what was the curse? It is... You're going to continue to work, but now it's not going to be easy. Now it's going to be super hard, and you're going to labor for it. You're going to sweat over it. You're going to bleed over it. This is the curse of man. Now, throughout Scripture, nowhere is it recorded that Eve labored with him in the work of the garden or being responsible for the garden. Now, that doesn't mean she didn't help Adam, but it was his responsibility. So, looking at this as an overall scope. It, it is the man's job to provide for his family. A lot of times when you hear preachers and everything going over biblical manhood, ne- almost never do you hear them tell the men that it's the responsibility to work. Why? Well, because it's implied. It's implied because it's 
it is a part of our our curse. The women's curse is um, <laughs> increased pain during childbirth. Um, there's going to be enmity between <laughs> the the offspring that come from women and the snake. But that's not their curse. Ours is the curse of working hard. Now, looking at the culture we're in now versus back then, looking at today's standards of just how, especially looking at inflation, looking at prices going through the roof and they're going to continue to rise, I I understand, and I truly believe God understands, if it is between you, your husband, your children starving and staying at home, you do what you can. You do what you can and you work for your family. Looking at single mothers, you can't stay home. Brad and I are big proponents of staying out of the public school system because Satan runs the public school system. But like we've said before, if you can't, that is okay. If that is all you can do, then you do it. You do all you can. But also as a single mother, if you're in the church, guess what? It's the church's responsibility to help take care of you. Orphans, widows, now, yes, that gets into semantics about exactly how that takes place. But if you are a single mother, I, we get it. God, God understands. Looking at Ruth. Okay, Ruth's husband died. When she went and stayed with Naomi, what did she do? She worked. She went into the field. Uh, she worked for two reasons. One, so that she could earn favor with Boaz. But two, she, she was gathering grain so that her and Naomi could eat food. Yeah. Now, it gets into, okay, are are you working because you like to work? Because you like to get out of the home? Or are you working because you like to have the fancy car? Or not even the fancy car, you just like to have... Well, to increase your standard of living. Yeah. Yeah. Simply just to do that. I mean, it... it you know, I think there, you know, Paul uh, MacArthur makes a point in this where the, the work is not as labor intensive as it was back in those days, right? We have washing machines that do our clothes automatically. We don't have to grind our own grain. We don't have to do this, that, and the other. Like we, you know, what would be an all day affair to wash the clothes for your family is now a 20 minute, let's throw it in there, forget about it for an hour, and then we'll dry it. It'll dry on its own type scenario. Like it's not as intense as it used to be. And so I, I kind of like what he says in this where, the woman's responsibility, main responsibility, is their home. And anything that takes focus off of that is an issue. And doesn't mean you can't work, but it goes back to motive, like Austin was saying. Like, what's the motive behind having that job? Are you shipping off your three-month-old to a babysitter or to a daycare because you want to keep your standard of living the same and because you want to keep earning an income or because you want to keep furthering your career, this, that, and the other? I think there's something to be said that, hey, maybe that's not where your priority needs to be, biblically speaking. But again, are you a single mom? And and if you don't, is your husband laid off and can't find work? I mean, are there extenuating circumstances say, I have to work. Like, I can't not work or else I can't provide food for my child. Yeah. Then you make make it work. Yes, absolutely. So there's nuance in this. It's not just a standard women stay home, period. Ah. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think it's rigid. I think there's some nuance in this and there's circumstances where you just can't help it. Like you yeah. just you just can't. And with Emily Knight, she went to Bellarmine uh, for nursing. Emily could have a very nice job making way more money than I do and we could be very comfortable. But when we got married, we 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 looked at this very seriously. We were like, "All right, Lord, what what do you want us to do?" And we looked at this. We looked at our roles and Based on scripture, what scripture says, we're like, we we need to do this. So, Emily 
did not go the route of nursing. She went to the stay-at-home mother route, and we got married at $9 an hour. And it it it's it was really hard. Yeah. And it is it is still kind of a struggle, but the point is we live frugally and we're purposeful with our money. We're careful with it because we know what we can do and what we can't. We we can't necessarily live up to the means of what we want, but that is okay. Biblically speaking, that is a good thing. Live humbly. I just as as someone who doesn't have kids obviously and doesn't isn't married, if I had kids or when I have kids, whatever the case may be, I'm I trust my wife so much more with the spiritual upbringing of my kids and with raising kids that respect the word of God, that know the word of God, that understand the word of God and reading, writing and arithmetic, but they have that foundation there than I do any teacher in any public school or Christian school for that matter. Amen. I just do. And if if I can pull it off, by golly, I'm going to pull it off. Oh, yeah. And, and she's going to be home with the kids. Yeah. Our kids are the most important thing, the most important asset in our lives, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's, uh, you all have an album called Our Quiver, and you just you call <laughs> your kids your quiver, and I love it because yeah. it's, I mean, it's from the Bible, and, and it's they are our resource. They are our legacy. They are... They're our disciple-making movement yeah. at, at this point in yeah, our life. Exactly. Yeah. And and there is no one I would trust more than my wife to raise my kids. Yeah. And I don't want them to have that influence of, of these other people, necessarily, yeah. if I can avoid it. And again, going back to the role of women, you know, who do they get to teach? Children. Children are the number one. And as we go through scripture, which we actually have on the do- docket for um, upcoming episodes of, you know, uh, parenting, biblical ways of parenting and stuff like that. And at this time in my my children's life, I am still the head. I'm still leading them through scripture. But my wife is with them 10 to 12 hours out of the day. So she has more of that prevalent headship as I'm gone. And she is teaching the children. And once we get to a certain age, I will kind of sweep in and start to take more of the headship than she does. And again, it's biblical. So <laughs> there there are so many things in this to- these topics that we can go into. But again, we just wanted we wanted to to hit the the basic ones, look at scripture, always look at scripture. And I, I'm I'm praying we're I'm really hoping that we came to it in a very loving way, yeah. that we weren't chastising anybody or anything like that, but pointing out what, what scripture says. Yeah, and, and, and any hate mail uh, you can send to, to Austin. Send it to me. No, I'm kidding. I, no. I'm kidding. Um, if you have a question, but no, if there are any you questions have an or disagreements, let us know. I would love to talk again, about Again, we just, we just want to come at this from a biblical standpoint, and, yeah. and I hope people do see that and see that we are sincere in this as being biblical. And again... Understanding we're men, right? We don't have the same perspective as women because despite what people want you to think, men and women are very different, wired very differently. Yeah. Right? And and have different psychological makeups and physical makeup. Like everything about us is is different with the exception of us being co-heirs with Christ yeah. and being human, right? Right. So we have to celebrate those differences. Celebrate the differences in roles. Again, I, I say this so much. You're going to roll your eyes at me for saying it again. The The collapse of the biblical structure of family is what has led to the poverty, the generational poverty, not just being poor, because again, the Bible says the poor will always be with us. Yeah. But it is what has led to the generational poverty that we see in in our cities. It has led to the drug epidemic. It has led to the prison, prisons being overflowed and and jails being over, overpopulated. 
It has led to the gangs. It's led to suicide. It, it's led to the rise and all of these things that we all agree, Christian or not, are bad things. Yeah. What fell apart to start that downfall? Leadership of men. Leadership of men and the breakdown God of the man. family. Okay, so it's both. It goes hand in hand. And that includes this feminist movement. It includes yes. this, you know, I, I want to be careful here, but it, it does. It includes that feminist woman power movement that has contributed to the fall of the biblical family yeah. and, and the, the, the nuclear family that, that we are called to have. It's caused all these problems. Or at the yeah. very least, started them and made them worse, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it didn't cause every single one of them, but it at least exacerbated the problem and made things much, much worse. Made things yeah. much worse. Well, and and honestly, again, nothing being new under sun under the sun. This all goes back to Genesis, looking at Adam and Eve and what happened. The as Peter says that the woman was tempted because she was the weaker vessel. Uh, there was a reason why Satan went to Eve. And tempted her instead of Adam. Women are more of that emotional side, whereas men are geared toward the. We are more. I don't want to say callous, but I mean we we do not have the emotions that the women do. Uh, we're not as in touch. We're not as in touch with our feelings. It, it I mean, true. we're just not. And when when the serpent came to Eve and tempted her, that what happened? One one of and I, I I still look at this as one of the first sins was not Eve eating and then Adam eating of the fruit. It was. Adam stepping out of his role. And and, and I blame Adam 100%, but there there is still an, an element of blame on Eve because Adam stepped out of that role, but Eve stepped into the role and she took over and yeah. she took that leadership role. And I firmly believe, and I, I've never really thought about this until we t- started talking, I firmly believe that if Eve had eaten and Adam hadn't, the fall still would have, ha- it still would have been the fall. Still would have been the fall of man because sin she entered the world, died. and he committed that sin by stepping out by stepping out of the role and not and not leading and saying, "Hey, this this is not what we're doing." Yeah, and, and uh, chapter three in Genesis verse fifteen, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So it since ever since Adam and Eve all the way to us, the desire of the woman is contrary to the man. Sure, the woman's desire is to step into that role. And it it, ha- it has to take both the man and the woman. The, the man saying, look, I'm going to stay in this role. And the woman saying, I want to be in that role, but I'm going to submit to you. And, and that is the submission. I want, I want your role, but I, I'm, I'm not going to take it. And the man saying, I know you want that role, and I understand <laughs> you want that role. So I am going to take it, but... I am going to lead you the way that Christ leads his church. I'm going to love you the way that Christ loves his church. I am going to put myself lower than you and lead you, but also to serve you. But I am still leading. Well, I think I think we're at a good stopping point. Uh, like I said, you know, we could make this a long series, and, and maybe we'll dive back into this at some point. We have the next, I think, up until the very beginning of April, kind of planned out, ready yeah, to roll. I'm excited. Um, and we're looking forward to that. So just... If you have any issues, any questions, reach out to us. We'd love to f- talk to you about it. Pod, uh, Rooted in Logos on Facebook and Instagram. Send us an email, rootedinlogospod at gmail.com. Like us. Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you if you can. Check out Two Fish Podcast on their episode 
that comes out the same day this one does, uh, you'll hear my just the sultry, the sultry sounds, sounds of my voice <laughs> just talking about <laughs> what God has done for us in the last yeah. few months and just some amazing things. So we're, we're pretty excited about what's coming and we look forward to seeing you guys next week for episode number 53 where we go back into Romans. I think yeah. we're going to do Romans chapter 13 next week and no, no, no. Is that it? Yeah. Is that what we're doing next week? Yeah. I don't remember. I wrote the schedule yesterday. So I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Either way, that's what we're probably going to do. But we'll uh, we'll see you guys then. Uh, in the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted.